Waking up in the canopy bed. It's cold outside. Berlin crisp, white out. The condensation of nighttime has collected on the windows. Thousands of tiny bubbles rimming like jewels and diamonds. It's cold outside and it's warm under the down blanket. It's warmer next to her body. Her legs are smooth. Her legs get smoother the higher you go. Your thigh seems to fit right between her thighs. There's almost moisture, almost condensation. She slept in a t-shirt. You take off yours to feel your belly against hers as you're lifting up her t-shirt. You both woke up. You're not kissing her mouth. You're kissing her neck. You're feeling her hair. You're waking up together, moving your bodies from slumber into living the day. You don't even know what her dreams were. You're just right now in it together. She takes off her shirt all the way. You roll her on top of you. You're hard. You're feeling between her legs with your dick. You're not waiting for a long saga of foreplay, of biting each other, of kissing each other's ribs. You're just feeling with the head of your dick towards her condensation and feeling that she's okay with this. Her ass is tight. You're holding her by her waist and you push her onto you so slowly that it just seems to slip with a slight grip of so that you can feel a release. You're pumping your thighs, your ass is flexing, she's bouncing, you've got your arms between her arms, holding her head so that your elbows are lifting up her elbows, and with your strength, you're holding her above you to lift up the down blanket, to bring in the light. You wanna see her body in this morning light in the canopy bed. You want to see what's bouncing. You want to see her bouncing. Her elbows are in between your elbows. Her elbows are in between your elbows. You're kissing her neck. She's starting to whimper, almost moan. She doesn't make sounds that often this soon. And here she is. Her sounds are on your forehead. Your face is next to her neck. And now it's next to her tits. Her breasts are bouncing in your face. The perfect concussion. All mammals, heaven. You're kissing her tits. You're feeling yourself slide in and out of her, holding her above you. You're controlling the movement and she's receptive in her sounds and her moans. Later, you're drinking coffee in the dance room. She comes out dressed 
in a silk monk robe with her knitted sweatshirt tied up. She's in her silk monk robe, her sweatshirt's tied up. It's like a knit 1950s, knit 1950s roller skater, knit 1950s roller skater waiter look, the way that her knit is pulled up around her tits tight, and she's got a knit bandana that you gave her pulling back her hair, and this robe she made, she had sewn it, it's dark blue, and it's all silk, and it's not a robe, it's more a monk shawl, so when it's accents with these, like, knit sweaters, it gives it more it brings out the sexiness of her tall frame it's cold outside she's got stockings layered on underneath the robe that have a bit of lace she looks good and she looks formal but also exotically weird like you just had sex with a 1950s waitress rock and roller nun who's been serving god dreams all morning long she has her phone in her hand and she's concentrating she sits down at the desk that you both share and she says that she's buying the flat she's buying the flat fourth story top of the building secret hideout surrounded by trees we only share this place with the birds that come and land on the trees in berlin it's a perfect location with a dance studio i'm coming over to her ceremoniously excited at what's going on she's buying this she's putting the zeros into her phone transferring the money i say you're not just buying a flat you're buying a dance studio you're buying an office you're buying a place for us to be together you're buying a love nest I want to see her fill this place with paintings. I want to see her books up on the wall. We dance together. We listen to records. Of course, we have a canopy bed. I said there must be some sort of ceremony. And I ask her to turn around. I get on my knees. I slid off the leather chair. And I ask her to put her ass in my face. And I start licking and gnawing and nosing at her ass underneath her silk robe. My saliva is getting wet and I can feel the top of her legs underneath her thighs. I'm pushing with my nose and my mouth, kissing. I'm getting turned on, my hands on her ass. That feeling of somebody's ass in your face and your hands are on the side of your their thighs and it's the buoyancy like you're holding a planet and you're landing right in the best places and she starts bending over and it's the small of her back and the ritual is started She sits down on the chair 
and I sit watching her amazed that this is happening from her phone, like just the palm of her hand is transferring everything. And I think of all the work that she did to make this possible, starting her company, hiring people, hustling around the world, driven by a platform to make the world better. And this is one of the outcomes. I get turned on again, and as she's making the transfers, I go up and I lift, I get on my knees, she's on her chair, and I lift up her monk kimono, pulling at her thighs, kissing the inside of her thighs, wondering if I'll distract her, going up to her pussy, kissing above the wool. She's worried she might add a different zero, another zero. When she's done, she wants to make banana pancakes. We're in the kitchen. There's bananas being fried with butter. And in a cast iron that her great grandma gave her, she's pouring pancake batter. The pancakes come out crepe style perfectly crisped, a little bit burnt, with a banana melted in the middle, hot and buttered sizzle, and then she squeezes a lime with her hand over this and hands it to you on a plate, and you're sitting on a little stool in the warmth of a kitchen when it's cold outside in the morning, and the kitchen is warm, and banana sizzles feel like the same condensation warmth of sex that can fill a room when you've had sex in the morning, and your warmth of bodies has filled the room, and now you just have a fork, and you're eating it. (laughs) She's been playing Leonard Cohen records, going through the catalog, and now we're on maybe record two or three. I don't even know that it's happened. I just know that there's been a lot of Leonard Cohen, and later I'd learn that we're going through the catalog from the beginning to end, because Cohen goes from variations of nasally gnarlness to sometimes yelling growl, and she'll say, ah, it feels good to hear him release. And if you don't know Leonard Cohen, then get into it, but I'm sure you know. Leonard Cohen, I'm saying as I'm eating the pancake, is the perfect sexual three-way partner. The way that he's sensual and feminine and yet holding holding this masculine space, being a poet of sex, going to the darker places it's almost violent the way that he's singing and the poetry that he's bringing to it i say it's like a sexual shaman he makes this place for sex to exist for the energy of sex to be and then is like neutrally inviting people couples partners singles yeah whatever he's inviting people to be within this sexual energy spot She says she likes it because it's light. This is the 1960s version where he's just plucking guitar, like folk acoustic guitar. But it's also deep, she says, the way that his poetry is going over it and taking you through different realms. 
She asks why Leonard didn't end up with a life partner. Why Leonard, you know, just wasn't married and with somebody the rest of his life. Because she says that he is definitely, uh, has the ability to connect with people. That he's open and inviting and engaging. And that he wasn't a womanizer. That he wasn't in it for conquest. But he definitely liked to connect with people. And she said maybe it was because he always felt limited. And I said, like, like he wanted to continue having sex with other people. And she said, no, limited spiritually. Like there wasn't somebody that wanted to get on his spiritual path. Because he was a seeker and he kept moving forward with his spiritual visions. And she said... uh I was like, yeah, he didn't fall in love, he said, until he was in his 50s. And she said, yeah, I don't think he found his life partner. And we started talking about what a life partner is and how it's rare to find. She asked what I thought a life partner would be. And I said it was somebody that could challenge you. It's somebody that you could grow with that you would be attracted to. And she said it was somebody that you would share enough of a world view with, that you would have shared values, and that you had to actually find each other on the planet. She looked at me and she says that a life partner doesn't even have to last all life, that the world just gets better with the other person around. That you like them enough that you feel related, but you're different enough that you expand. That you like, that you are alike enough that you feel related, but you're different enough that you expand. She said that the relation between each other is flowy. That it seems to just go. She says there comes to a sort of completion feeling in yourself or your soul that you might not even have known that you weren't really fully whole before. Later that night, she'll say that she's ovulating, that she can feel her eggs popping out of her, uh, out of her. And I was kind of shocked by this, but she's neutralizing like uh she's neutralizing fertility and she's kind of shocked that i'm shocked by this she comes up to me on the leather chair she's in a skirt now and she's just slowly grinding on my thigh while i'm communicating with ai interfaces asking ai just i don't know technicians ai computers all the questions i've ever had in life and getting pretty succinct answers and she's rolling her eye at me saying that you don't want a technician that what you want is somebody left of center you don't want something perfect you want something that's a bit off but she's grinding her thigh against me and telling me that she's ovulating and saying that she wants to get drunk she wants to dress up and that we could go to this club and I looked the club up 
and it's a sex club. It's like one of these Berlin sex clubs with like, it's, it's like they have a perimeter on the page of half dance and half people having sex. And this is like, the event tonight is just in the middle. Half dance party, half sex club. And this is where I kind of lose it. I get overloaded and just feel like get upset about the idea of sharing her in a sex club with a bunch of weird dudes in bondage gear. And later we would talk about it and she would say she doesn't want to go anywhere else that I don't want to go. She would say the best part of it is dressing up, that that's what the fun is. And that then you go to a place and you don't have to take on the other energy. You're just going to see what fits and that there might be a woman there that she wants to make out with. She has a banana now in her hand. It's the end of the day and she's making banana bread after I've had this breakdown wishing that I could celebrate the house, wishing I could celebrate with her, but I'm like kind of just mentally and emotionally overloaded. She had gone to the store and got champagne and stuff to make banana bread. She's celebrating on her own. She's got a banana in her hand, the bruised, and she's squishing it. And I think, yeah, this is what you could do at a sex club. You could walk around with a banana and just like look at people and engage by like fingering this banana and squishing it. <laughs> and I feel liberated again uh, in my, I feel liberated again into my psychic state, no longer bogged down thinking that like I'm having to absorb sexual energy of weirdos and just more like, well, you can be the weirdo. You can like, you're, whatever <laughs> the sense of her holding a banana and like crushing it between her fingers while staring at people just made me so happy and the banana bread turned out fucking delicious